Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The reality is that the Logos is a person. The Logos is both a human being and God simultaneously. I think of John's use of Logos, or I think his use of Logos, it speaks, as I'm saying, of the universal nature of his gospel. Jesus is not only the Savior of the Jews, he is the Savior of the whole world. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian begins his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins this series with his teaching on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, in a message titled, The Word Was God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So here we are in our journey through John's Gospel, and today we're going to focus on verses 1 through 5. And, and let me just say that I, I've taught the Gospel of John, you know, pro- probably uh, several times now over the many years of teaching. But, you know, you always come to certain portions of Scripture and you just feel like, Lord, how can I even begin to do justice to this text? And, and that's how I feel as we approach these first five verses today. Well-known verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. So that's our challenge today, to look at these verses. If you were to write a biography on someone you would naturally begin your accounts of their life with their birth. I've read many biographies. I I love history and I love biographies, so I read a lot of them, and it always takes you back to the very beginning of that person's life, takes you back basically to at least the date of their birth. And, of course, that's understandable because, practically speaking, life for each of us begins at birth. There is only one life in all of history of which that is not the case, and that is the life of Jesus Christ. For he, prior to being conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, was pre-existing eternally with the Father. And so in the verses that we read together, John 1, 1 through 18, John gives us a summary of the life of Christ beginning with his preexistence and then coming to his entrance into the human family for the purpose of bestowing grace and making God 
known to man. So it's in this summary that is commonly called the prologue. It is in this prologue that the veil is drawn back and the true nature of Jesus of Nazareth is made clear. And so two of the gospel writers begin their gospel with the story of the birth of Jesus. Mark doesn't include the birth of Jesus. He picks up his gospel, beginning with the the public ministry of Jesus in Galilee. But here John does something entirely different. He goes back to the beginning. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, these words are a conscious reminiscence of the first words of the Bible. So anyone that would read this passage, any, anyone who had any familiarity with the Old Testament text, and of course the Jews would have had that, they would immediately have seen the connection with Genesis because Genesis also starts with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Interesting, in, in the beginning is actually the Hebrew title of what we call the book of Genesis. So if you read Hebrew and you had a, a, if you had a, a set of the Hebrew scriptures and you opened to the first page of the Bible, it wouldn't say the book of Genesis. It would say, in the beginning. In the beginning. So John is hearkening back to Genesis, to the beginning of time, because John is writing about a new beginning, the new creation, so he uses words that recall the first creation. And like the first, the second is not carried out by a subordinate being. It's brought about by God himself. But John refers to him here as the logos, the very word of God who was already there in the beginning before time. Now, what we might not understand, because these aren't issues that we so much deal with today, in New Testament times and for hundreds of years afterward, Greek philosophy dominated much of the world. And one of the ideas among the Greeks, which you might have heard the term Gnosticism, the Gnostics believed and taught that all material is evil. And therefore, the world could not have been created by a good and holy God. So the world must have been created by a being that emanated out from God, but one that had emanated out from God, not immediately, but somewhere way, way down the line, to be disassociated with God enough, still to be connected, but to be disassociated enough to be able to create matter, which was evil. 
So that thinking dominated the ancient world when it came to metaphysical things. And so John is going to, not overtly necessarily, but he's, he's subtly undermining that and taking people back to the reality. Now, the Greeks, of course, were the ones who came up with a lot of these ideas and perpetuated them. John is going to go back beyond the rise of that kind of thinking, and he's going back to the very beginning. And he says, in the beginning was the word. This is the Greek word logos. Now, again, this is a very interesting way for John to open his letter. Now, something that we might not always be conscious of is that many of the Jews from the time of Alexander the Great to the period in which John is writing, many Jews had come under the influence of Greek culture. If you read in the book of Acts, and we we have the beginning of the church there, and we read about this dispute between the Hebrews and the Hellenist. Both groups are Jewish, but one has held fast to Hebrew culture. The other has embraced Greek culture. That's why they're called the Hellenist. Now, as John is writing this, he is aware that much of the Jewish population has embraced Greek culture. And so they are going to be familiar with Greek ideas. So let's talk about this term logos for a moment. Let me read to you from a man named Donald Guthrie. He said, the term logos was widely used in Greek literature And many scholars have supposed that its significance for John could be understood only against such a backdrop. It was used among the Stoics to describe the principle of divine reason which caused the natural creation to grow. This idea was much more fully developed in the writings of Philo of Alexandria. This is an important point here. Philo of Alexandria Alexandria became, next to Jerusalem, it was probably the the epicenter of Jewish life and especially Jewish Hellenistic life. Alexandria was in Egypt. And so in Alexandria, there was a famous Jewish philosopher, a man who sought to blend Greek philosophy with Judaism. His name was Philo. He was a contemporary of Jesus and John. He used the term logos of the instrument through which the world was created. Although there may appear to be some parallels between Philo's and John's use of the term, there are crucial differences. Philo never thought of the word as a person nor did he maintain its pre-existence to the world, but the most striking and significant difference between Philo and John is that the former denied. So Philo denied the incarnation of the word, whereas John specifically maintained that the word became flesh. So you see, John 
is writing this gospel. And, and again, remember we pointed out, Matthew writes primarily with a Jewish audience in mind. And we know that because he's constantly going back and saying that certain things are happening in fulfillment of what was written. And then we know that Mark wrote with an audience that was made up of slaves. And he presents Jesus as the servant of the Lord. And then Luke, as we've seen, Luke is a Greek. So he presents Jesus. He emphasizes the humanity of Jesus, not to the exclusion of his deity, but he he emphasizes things like the prayer life of Jesus, showing that he is a man who is dependent on God. But as we pointed out, John is the one who is going to make sure that we understand that Jesus is God incarnate. And so as John is is writing with all of these things that he wants to communicate, he's also thinking about his audience. And he's wanting to reach not just the Hebrew Jews who would have completely rejected anything Hellenistic, He's wanting to reach everyone. So he, he takes this term that is used among the Hellenists and he says that actually the word is not some impersonal force, but the word is a person. N.T. Wright explained it this way. The idea of the word or the logos would also make some of John's readers think of the ideas that pagan philosophers had discussed. Some spoke of the word as a kind of principle of rationality lying deep within the whole cosmos and within all human beings. Get in touch with this principle, they said, and your life will find its true meaning. Well, maybe John is saying to them, but the word isn't an abstract principle, it's a person and I'm going to introduce him to you. See, that's what John is doing. John is showing that, okay, this idea of the logos, this idea of this great this great mind behind all things and so forth, okay, that, that's, yeah, that, that's close, but that's not it. The reality is that the logos is a person. The logos is both a human being and God simultaneously. I think of John's use of Logos, or I think his use of Logos, it speaks, as I'm saying, of the universal nature of his gospel. Jesus is not only the Savior of the Jews, he is the Savior of the whole world. John is introducing Jesus to the world in terms they can understand. So he is doing what you would call contextualizing. He is contextualizing the gospel. He's taking Jewish ideas and putting them in terms that the Greek mind can relate to. So that's all sort of background type of stuff. But let's think for a moment. When John says, in the beginning was the word, what are we to understand by that? For us, we're not Greeks. We don't, we're not thinking about the logos in that way. But, but what, do, what are we to think of? Well, words 
are the primary and most effective way one person expresses their thoughts to another person. Isn't that true? I mean, this is how we communicate. This is how we come to know each other. Now, I said here, it is the primary and most effective way. There are other ways of communication, but they're not the, they're not the, the, the ultimate. Now, if, if I was up here today and I decided today, I am not gonna use words today. I'm gonna teach this without using words. And I'm not really good at charades, so I don't know that um, any of you would get a single thing that I was trying to say. Now, some people might be able to act it out a little better than I could. But regardless of, of how well they might be able to act it out, they're never gonna be able to communicate what needs to be communicated with words. So this is the primary way that we communicate. A word spoken by one person to another is the revelation of something in the mind of the one that the other did not know and could know only through that word. So a word is a revelation made, a thought communicated. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus The word is the one who reveals and communicates God to the world. That's the point. This is how we know God. God has spoken, and he's spoken through his son. But then he says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was with God, which which more literally is the word was toward God or the word was face-to-face with God. And neither one of those necessarily make it that clear. But the idea is that of the closest possible connection between the word and God. So it's speaking of that deep, deep, intimate connection between the Father and the Son, which in verse 18, John brings it all to a climactic point when he says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is in the heart of the Father. He has declared him. So John is saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, so the Word and God are distinct from each other, yet simultaneously one. But here's the staggering thing. He says, and the word was God. The word was with God, and the word was God. And and here we see, although John doesn't come out and say, okay, I just explained to you the Trinity or the plurality within the within the divine nature, that, that's exactly what John is doing. John is showing us something that the, the Old Testament scriptures hinted at, something that Jesus taught us, and John is now bringing that out into the clear. So nothing higher could be said. All that may be said about God 
may fitly be said about the word. So note this, John is not merely saying that there is something divine about Jesus. Now, throughout history and even right down to the present moment, people are always wanting to bring Jesus down to a human level and in essence deny his unique deity. That happened way, way back in church history in the, the time of what is known as the Arian heresy. That was the, the idea of Arius was that Jesus was a created being very close to God and in many ways like God, but not God. Arius brought that into prominence, but those, those seeds that burst forth in the time of Arius, had been around for centuries. And so John is clarifying here. He is not merely saying that there's something divine about Jesus. He is affirming that Jesus is God. Leon Morris, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he said this. He said, if that is a staggering affirmation to us, there is no reason for thinking that it is any less so to the Jewish author of this gospel. To the Jews of the day, monotheism, belief in one God, was more than a belief commonly held. It was a conviction to be clung to and defended with a fierce tenacity. The Jews knew with an unshakable certainty that there was, there could be only one God. When John says the word was God, this must be understood in light of Jewish pride in monotheism. So in other words, John never would nor could make such a claim were it not true. John is not drifting off into pagan philosophy. John is as Jewish as anyone had ever been but he is bringing out the revelation that the God who was in the beginning was and always has been and always will be the triune God. The God who is here with John, God and the word, and of course the spirit is included, but he's not being spoken of here. And then he says this, to, to make it just absolutely clear what he's talking about, he says, all things were made through him. So go back to Genesis 1 for a minute. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is now making it clear that it was God the Son all things were made through him. Having said that the word was with God and the word was God, John tells us that the word, Jesus Christ, is the one whom, through whom the heavens and the earth and everything in them were created.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I know there are so many people that feel like they don't really understand sometimes even the basics of the Christian faith. And a classic book on the topic was written by John Stott, and the book is called Basic Christianity. And this is one of my favorite books because it beautifully and simply but profoundly lays out for us just exactly what the Christian faith is. So I read this book several times over. I read it many years ago. I try to read it every now and again. It's a great book, and I want to recommend it to you, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. You can order the book Basic Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.